Hello again and welcome to We March On with Steve and Tom, the unofficial Southampton FC podcast in partnership with the Believe Podcast Network. We're now back into the swing of things in the Premier League for Southampton. It has been the World Cup break. Now the festive period has begun. I'm joined once again by my partner in crime, one half of the duo, the dream team, Tom Deacon. How are you, sir? Did you have a lovely Christmas? I had a fantastic Christmas and it was capped off beautifully only 24 hours ago when I popped over to your house, your dwelling, Steve Forbes, and we played FIFA and I thank thank the Lord managed to win a game against you um, on the new FIFA 23. And my downfall was playing as Saints. Uh, that was the downfall, but <laughs> as soon as I played as Dortmund second team, I got a win, Steve. So I feel very festive. Um, um, and if you did let me win, thank you very much. No, I didn't let you win. I think I went a Turkish team. Well, we did randoms, didn't we? We did <laughs> yeah. randoms and uh, and I could barely string a couple of passes together with that, with that outfit. Um, it was lovely to see you. I'm glad we managed to squeeze in some time for each other over Christmas and not just, you know, speaking via the powers of the internet. So it was, it was very nice to, to spend some time. Um, the, the the Christmas period itself, Tom, mm. we'll get onto the football. There has been a couple of games already for the Saints, but I want to know more about about you. Um, oh, wow. how, how was your how was your Christmas? It was delightful, Steve, uh, seeing lots of family, eating lots of food. I actually um, felt the old injury. I had a hernia many moons ago. Um, and was had... it an inigual one? It was kind of like the the pubic triangle section. I wondered what you were going to say there. Yes, it is. It is in my pubic I've got triangle. one of them as well. <laughs> Have you? See? God, my God, we're learning so much <laughs> we're really as getting... this friendship just continues to blossom and develop. <laughs> Hang on. Is it on the right you got side? A... Where... It is on the right it's side. My too. scar's on the right side. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I... Uh, after eating a lot, though, Steve, uh, felt a real pain there uh, again because I'd eaten too much. I started off at 11 and a half stone. Um, I got to 12 uh, stone and then a um, couple of prunes sorted me right out. Back down to a half, uh, 11 and a half. So there you go. That is that is the story of Christmas. It uh, The giveth and, 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 and the rest. It's slightly sadomasochistic in a way, Tom, that you'd weigh yourself over that period of time. We all know that we're going to eat a bit too much. We're going to, you know, we're going to indulge, aren't we? Maybe second helpings at dinner. Mm. Um, just, just weigh yourself is, what? I mean, why would you put yourself through the ordeal? I Well, here's the thing. I don't have weighing scales, but um, bless her. My mother does uh, in their <laughs> house. And uh, I, I just saw it um, and I was like, go on then. Why not? Because I haven't weighed myself for like, eight months I, I don't remember the last I think it was something at the gym it was a kind of like weigh yourself test and um so I, I weighed myself Steve I, I can't I don't know why there was no um masochistic sort of attitude I just wanted to just see what I was at I tried it the, the next day when I had pain in my side and and I know why I'd put on six pounds do you know what I mean mate I'd put on weight in a day and that's what it was that was Christmas but you know what I don't mind the pain has subsided now after a couple of prunes Good, good stuff. I'm really glad. Uh, Christmas for myself was turbulent in some fashion. Um, I've obviously spoke to you about it, but to to let the listeners know, I was supposed to be in the north of England for for Christmas. um, And one thing led to another and ended up driving back home on Christmas Eve. 
mm. and had a to be fair had a lovely christmas um at home just myself my girlfriend and and the dog we went for a walk um along the river hamble down in swanwick mm. um if you are uh, a native of the southampton area you'll know where that is um we we began this walk at i think about half 9 10 a.m. right bit cold outside a little bit drizzly but fine walking all the way down if you know the area, you start at the car park where the marina is and you go to the pink shed. Uh, the little ferry wasn't running over to the other side, so we just were doing the shed and back again. Now, getting there was fine. It always feels like the walk is a lot shorter than it actually is. And then you're kind of like three quarters of the way through and you think, an hour and a bit's gone here. How far have we got to go? So, But you, you don't want to give up and kind of go back halfway through. So we got there on the way back. All of a sudden, the tide has come in, Tom. And the path has flooded. Oh, dear. So for the initial first couple of steps, I've got nice waterproof walking boots. So I was fine for the first few steps. My girlfriend has a hole in hers, so it's quite funny. She had wet feet instantly. Um, uh, And the dog loves a paddle. So everything was fine at this point. We then get a bit further towards the car, maybe another few hundred metres, another kilometre. And uh, and it's almost knee height, the water. And obviously we're in the middle of December, freezing absolutely freezing having to wade back home essentially or back to the car at least um so yeah driving home with soggy shoes on christmas day wasn't one the boots are still drying out still haven't (laughs) finished drying uh, all these days later um but no other than that christmas was fine one thing i was really surprised about yeah coming back on christmas eve i was expecting the shops to be nuts i was Mm. thinking oh got nothing in gonna have to go uh, get a turkey and get all the trimmings, etc. With not a lot of time to go, the shelves are going to be bare. No, I was pleasantly surprised, Tom. Oh, have you man. ever, have you ever gone to Hedge End and M&S? They keep that well stocked. Um, there was almost a, a choice of any turkey option that you wanted, whether that be a crown, full turkey, a joint. Um, we went for the slow cooked option that you just needed an hour in the oven. So Christmas Day was great. We we had. Two bottles of bubbly and a, and a bottle of red between us. I was a bit half cut by the time the food came out, but it was almost just a bang in the oven jobby. Didn't have to, you know, really prep much. So I had a great day. Oh, mate. Well, this is good because after what you'd been through, the traveling you've done, wading through water, um, y- you managed to salvage a good Christmas. And that's what I love. You know, even if you don't do too much or get up too much, it's still eventful. Uh, for whatever happens um so mate i i am i'm ready i'm ready for the new year now i'm totally ready for this yep and speaking of eventful we are right back in to watching southampton fc play football and i believe we should probably get onto that now tom oh yes we should Right, Tom. So we've had two games now um, since the end of the World Cup. Firstly, against Lincoln in the Carabao Cup. That was in the fourth round. And then in the Premier League, the return of the Premier League, finally, after all this time. Maybe we could have waited a little bit longer. Anyway, (laughs) we'll go into that in a second. Let's start with the Cup game. Positive result. A win against Lincoln to see us through into the quarterfinals. Where unfortunately Man City now away, but it is a home tie um, as well. What did, you were at the game with me. I did get you along to the Lincoln game as my plus one. Uh, it was lovely having you there. Uh, what what did you make of it? Because it was it was slightly more entertaining than in the 
previous round when we played Sheffield Wednesday. Yes, uh, I was there at the Wednesday game. Uh, obviously, as Saints fans know, we got through via the old medium of penalty shoot out. Um, but uh, yes, Steve, I loved being your plus one. I loved going to watch you at work. Um, you are a consummate professional, yourself and Kenzie. A highlight for me was the crossbar challenge at half time. I thought that the lad who stepped up to take a few of those uh, attempts uh, did a beautiful thing. And his last one, and he needed to hit the top of the crossbar to get a half season season ticket. He started to clap above his head to get the whole St. Mary's <laughs> crowd going. And I just felt like, and everyone got involved. They were like, go on, lad. I hope you score this. Um, and I just feel like maybe that's something that James Will Prowse could implement at St. Mary's um, just before he takes a free kick. Because there has been a couple of opportunities where Prousey's had him on a free kick and you think, go on, Prousey. I just feel like St. Mary's would be lifted if he just raised his hands above his head and just got 32,000 clapping, just like, come on! Uh, well, I, don't I know. mean, it would almost, you know, inject a little bit of the, um, a bit of NBA slightly. You know, when someone's about to take a free throw, maybe it's like a Harlem Globetrotters match where, you know, it's just an exhibition and no one really cares. <laughs> and it's just like, right, let's get a slow clap going. It, it, maybe it would provide a bit of, you know, light relief. But then I don't know if footballers are like that because it's almost like they're in the zone. Like Prousey is probably envisioning. He's probably thinking to himself, right. I know where I've got to hit this ball. I know how I'm going to strike it. I'm going to position my body in this way. I do it every day in training. Mm. And you envision the ball going in the back of the net. And I think, you know, getting a slow clap going well, could potentially... Well, it, could, it could ruin that. It's visualisation. All right, then. How about this? Prousey doesn't do it. You know, maybe Gav Bazuna in goal, he starts the slow hand clap. Um, maybe, and then that will warm his hands up as well. So, um, and that would be needed uh, from various times. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I just think it's a nice idea potentially to get St. Mary's rocking. Um, but at the same time, uh, like in rugby, you have to respect the kicker and you're not allowed to make mm. any noise. Um, no, uh, to, to answer your question seriously, uh, the Lincoln game, great to be there. Uh, I think there was a lot of optimism that we would get a comfortable win and that didn't necessarily happen. Um, I think Lincoln set themselves up to frustrate Southampton and they very much did that. Looking at the lineup, uh, what uh, Jones had gone for, three at the back um, with Kyle Walker-Peters dropping back and, and uh, Romain Perot. Uh, Maitland-Niles getting a start, I thought was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, the highlight for me or the positive thing to take from it, Che Adams uh, getting a brace, should have had a third. <laughs> a dozy should have scored his first goal. Uh, but at the end of the day, there were lots of positives. They got through, that's all that mattered. And the, I think after that game, we were looking at Brighton thinking, well, if we take the positives going into that Brighton game, we might be able to get something out of it. That didn't happen. But yeah, look, we got the win. That's all that mattered. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at, at how the game panned out, Lincoln took that lead very early on after just a couple of minutes, slightly dubious in the way that it went in. A goalkeeping error, you would you would mm. probably put it down to. Um, Shea getting us back into it with a, with a double. And then... You know, looked comfortable later yeah. on in the game. Looked like the the passing was was more fluid. Making you know breaking the line as well, and you ended up having uh, a two on one situation with the goalkeeper, as you say, Sam Adozi, um missing the target um, from from just a few yards out after having it squared to him. And then I think that maybe changed Shea's mind when they broke again. I don't think it was it was Adozi. I think it was Moy and mm. Shea uh, broke past, and uh, and Shea decided. 
I'm not going to square it this time. I'm going to try and round the goalkeeper and, and slot it in. And unfortunately, I think the goalkeeper kind of semi-read it and moved with him. And he couldn't quite find the angle to shoot from. And when he eventually did have a shot, it, it hit a defender or the goalkeeper like almost on the, on the line. Um, it, just, it was far too acute at that stage. And um, I think Moy had, a, had some harsh words for Shea um, at that point in time. Because no one likes it. I mean, don't be wrong. The game was fairly wrapped up and I'm sure Shea just wanted a hat trick mm. for his own confidence levels but it's a team game you always want to see I I do it in FIFA we spoke about playing FIFA a little earlier yeah. I think I scored a couple like that where why would I try and shoot from an angle potentially allow a save just square it open net tap in it's not the prettiest of goals no. but it gets the job done yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like he should have maybe done that. Um, but, but you know but, you know what, Steve? I, I feel like it, all of that anticipation of we've had a pre-season, Nathan Jones, he's had all of the squad. Um, and then what I saw on the pitch didn't sort of put me at ease, I guess. I, I, I saw mm. the same sort of problems and yet it's League One opposition. We got the job done, but it didn't instill confidence in me. Seeing Walcott get subbed on and then subbed off again was a bit like, Okay, well, that, that seemed a bit pointless. And ABK looked a bit out of sorts um, coming back from the World Cup. Yeah. But at the same time... A few of the players looked out of sorts, though, Tom, though, oh, didn't they? Mate, we've not even started talking about the Brighton game. But even Maitland-Niles looked a little bit... It was like, okay, I'm expecting something of a bounce back with Nathan Jones. We got the win. But at the end of the Lincoln game, it didn't fill me with confidence to say, oh, that is how Southampton... That's the old Southampton or that is a winning, you know, mentality team. Mm. Yes, we got the win, but it didn't feel convincing enough for me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned it on on the night and I know things take time. It will always take time to implement your own style and ideas and get everyone on song. Also bringing in the type of players you want. So, so Nathan does have to be backed. He has to be shown confidence because it isn't, he's not a miracle maker. You can't mm. just turn things around instantly. And where often... Excuse me, we've spoken before about um, a new manager bounce. Well, he didn't really get that opportunity, did he? So he didn't really get to come in while the, while there was still five or six games to play and get that new manager bounce. He had one game against Liverpool and then it was the World Cup. And we saw maybe that as a positive of having time to work with this bunch of players. But kind of what we've seen as the Premier League's started again is most of the players who, who are playing well were the ones who are at the World Cup yeah. because they really haven't had that break. So they've kept that level of form going. And, and some of the players that have had six weeks without competitive football are actually the ones struggling to get into it because yeah. they haven't maybe got match sharpness, which is maybe a surprise to, to quite a few people. Uh, ABK was off it. He didn't play for Germany, though, when he was out there. He didn't get any minutes. Um, Ainsley Maitland-Niles did look like he struggled through a lot of that game as well. And what we said was that what I'm, what I'm not seeing at the moment is actually a difference between a Ralph team and a Nathan Jones team. Mm. It it looks similar, even in the the um, the feeling from the players, how they're approaching the game, how they're playing, the intensity levels, how they're moving the ball about. I'm not seeing a huge difference. And now, I'm not a, a super pessimistic person. I have heard some people say, well, you know, maybe it wasn't the manager. You know, we, we, they're the first person whose head's on the chopping block, isn't it, when yeah. things aren't going well? Because you don't sack 11 players or 25 players. You sack one person, change the person at the top. Hopefully things start to go differently. But, you know, 
maybe it's uh, down to recruitment over a few years um, and it's certain players maybe aren't at the level they need to be to compete in this division. Now, that's probably a topic for another day. We need to give a bit of time. We need to see another few games. They're coming thick and fast. There's Fulham on New Year's Eve. Then you've got Forest, I think, on the 4th of January as well. And then we go into a game against Palace in the FA Cup. And, you know, there's there's maybe six or seven games in January. So it's a definitive month. This period of time is going to be so definitive for how the rest of the season pans out for Southampton because it's an opportunity to really turn things around and get some points on the board. And it is... Um, tight you know there's only maybe three or four points between the bottom of the table and and 15th or 14th Mm. so it could be really crucial but I'm not seeing the turnaround or the change in philosophy and dynamics that I would have liked to have seen in the change of a new manager um but going on to the sorry well all I was going to add to that Steve is I, I, I totally agree with you and that's what we were waiting to see against Lincoln was what's the team sheet look like and then compare that and we've got to talk about it and we've kind of I wouldn't say we've jumped the gun but you have to look at both games and that's what I'm leading to is to talk about Brighton a 3-1 loss at home to Brighton completely different lineup Um, you'd expect that because a cup game to a Premier League game but but it just seems like in both games the starting (laughs) eleven. are just not as good as once those changes have happened. It's almost like we, we learn how to play in the game and have a better second half. And that seemed to have happened both both games. So yeah, a loss against Brighton, a win against Lincoln. Where are we at this point? And I think you're right. It's not the time to hit the panic button as a lot of fans are saying and talking about on on Twitter and, and Instagram and, and the like. But it is a time for concern of where are we going? What is that identity to get us out of this situation? Well, you mentioned identity and, and two clear things are the change in, in formation. And you mentioned the team selection. So when I was doing Saints Live uh, before the Brighton game and we announced the team news, there was maybe a little bit of surprise because you have Diallo starting in the middle of uh, of the park with James Ward-Prowse. They revert to a back four from the three that played against Lincoln. So... In that Lincoln game, we're thinking, well, he wants to go with, with a three and play wing-backs in the form of, of Walker-Peters and, and Perro, who I personally think are, are, are great in that position. They're so good at going forward. They have good delivery of the ball as well. Um, and then uh, you go to the, the Brighton game, and they're still playing, but as part of a back four. And then Gineppo's come into the fold on the right-hand side of the park. Sam Adozi, uh, I'm happy, started the game. Then Shea Adams is up front on his own with Moy just behind him. And as I said, Diallo in the middle where he's played Maitland-Niles more as a holder before and Elinusi central further back. And you think, okay, maybe as you just quite rightly pointed out, different level of opposition, maybe it's a bit more secure. But what I'm reading uh, across social media is that the players don't necessarily want to play a back three. Now, the Brighton game did not go as planned. I thought it was lethargic. I thought that um, there were some highlights, but Brighton controlled that game so well. Southampton couldn't keep hold of the ball, which was probably the biggest factor. Um, Looked nervous in possession, which is something we've seen in months gone by, in the kind of latter stages of of, of Ralph's tenure. Um, And when Brighton got the ball, they were just playing it around beautifully, creating openings, creating space, um, 
assured in possession as well, not giving it away easily. Southampton suddenly started lumping the ball up the park. Long ball football. I, I didn't get it. It looked devoid of creativity, devoid of uh, 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 of bravery as well. And I don't know if that's because the players don't want to get pumped. So they go, well, we don't really want to play this this formation. We don't want to play this back three. We want to be a bit more assured at the back. And I don't know if there's a early signs of a rift. I'm not sure. But it's not great to hear that this manager has just come in and all of a sudden the players are like, nah, we don't actually want to play that you want us to play. Well, I'm sorry, but that hasn't been successful for the past year, almost. Um in the way that Southampton have been playing. So maybe they do have to be slightly more open-minded. Maybe it means a change of personnel. The January transfer window is just around the corner, which we'll come on to as well in a bit. But I don't know. It was just one of those games where you looked at it and think, I don't, as a fan, I don't know how this can be changed. <laughs> because even certain players, their levels are dropping. I love Prousey. I think Prousey is a fantastic player. I was gutted that he didn't go to the Euros with England. I was gutted that he didn't go to the World Cup. He's not been allowed that that opportunity to really show his talents on, on the biggest stages. And I think he's an excellent central midfielder with, with one of the best deliveries of the ball in the world, not just the Premier League. But his standards are far below what we've seen in the past. And it's all, it feels in a way like he's kind of being dragged down slightly. Mm. Um, whether he's one of the few leaders in the team and there needs to be more experience. We have lost the likes of Ryan Bertrand, who was a long-time servant of the club, Oriol Romeu as well. And and just whether the, that that same personnel, that or, or the, the personality, sorry, within the team just isn't there. And they're just lacking a lot of leadership. Um, one story from, from that Brighton game, and it's not something that I like to see, but it's something that has been um, creeping, what well, has creeped in many times in, in the past when Saints haven't been performing well, is is the, the dour attitude among the fan base. Now, Tom, you are a, a lifelong Southampton fan. I know you always look on the kind of bright side and you take a, a humorous approach to a lot of stuff. You don't necessarily let it be the be all and end all of, of your week. But when the fans turn so quickly, it doesn't help matters. Now, um, I'm sure he won't mind me saying if he's listening, then hello. But um, Cal, who's one of our producers for, for Saints Live, diehard Saints fan, loves the club. He's the he's different to you. He probably does let it affect him. Because he's he he he's so engrossed in, in how the team plays, loves it. There was a part of the game where I think it was Moy Elianusi had played a, a silly ball or tried to do something, didn't work out. And Cal just chuckled to himself, a wry smile of, oh, here we go again, this is happening, etc. Half time comes, a punter is walking down the, the, the stairs, but quite near to where our area is, and kind of shouts over to Cal. In with many expletives of don't you be laughing what are you laughing for it ain't something to be laughing about and, and Cal's like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan what are you talking about like, as in I'm allowed to express how I feel in my own way he's like nah like you work for the club we have to pay to come here and watch this it's a joke that you're laughing I was like, and that's one of the issues as well is it's creating division mm. as well amongst the fan base and I don't like to see that either because and it's it's getting people in a negative headspace before a ball's even been kicked. Um, I'd like to get your opinion uh, from a fan's perspective in terms of how you feel. But I don't like to see that. And I think you start hearing boos 
and you start hearing a lot of negativity early on from supporters, that isn't going to help the players either. No. Well, there's there's, there's a whole load to unpack there, uh, Steve. And um, yeah, first of all, um, on the on the cow uh, situation, no, it's not great. I mean, where I was sat, uh, which wasn't that far away from you, actually, a fan behind just loves. He's the most miserable bloke. <laughs> he just every pass that goes wrong, uh, he will shout commands of what we should be doing, and it's ridiculous. When Prousey headed back the goal, uh, the ball uh, across the line to get that goal, I spun my camera around and filmed him. He didn't celebrate. It, it, it was it's almost as if we're never happy as Southampton fans. The moment we get a goal, I know the performance wasn't up to scratch, wasn't good enough, but a goal, like, come on, like there's still time in the game. A miracle could happen. Miserable. He was so, he was more miserable that we'd scored in some respects. Now that's, he's paid his money. There's always that argument in football. He's paid his money. He can do what he wants at the game, but you're right. The atmosphere is just, we're waiting for bad stuff to happen. We just, we just, we just love it. It's almost like we're, we're wishing it into the, into the world. We'll go, oh, it won't last long. Oh yeah. But it's still nil-nil, won't last long. And I, and I don't like that. And to answer your, you know, question, what do I feel about someone berating a Saint staff member? Um, it's not a good, it's not a good, it, it's not great uh, because yes, fans have to pay their money. But as you say, cows are fan. You, you know, I, I think the whole idea of money is always that argument, isn't it? In football, you're getting paid to watch this. We have to pay to watch it. You know, so what? Like, he's a fan. It wasn't necessarily the point of, of what you feel about a fan sharing his opinion. It was more to do with, like, the views of the fan base in terms of, are you, I know you're not personally, but do you, do you feel it's the, it's, it's correct or it's, it's, the right thing to be doing so soon into this new manager's tenure of just already giving him the booze and maybe they're not booing the manager maybe they're booing the players but it was just to see from a from from an, a, a fan's perspective how you feel about going to games oh well it's not enjoyable is it <laughs> that's the bottom line it's not enjoyable the whole atmosphere arriving on boxing day seeing all the the kids they've, they've lined up stuff outside the ground people listening might have seen it you know you had the inflatable uh, darts. It was like a Velcro. You kick the ball against this huge dart boy. It was kind of like a bit of fun. There was a kind of goodwill. And as soon as, you know, we were two nil down after poor defending, you know, the atmosphere changes. And what you're saying is quite right, that fans will turn on each other because the bottom line is no one knows how to improve this team at the moment. No one knows. Nathan Jones has got that job. We're already saying he's not up to scratch and he's not capable of doing it. And we're already thinking maybe it was... Uh, too soon to let Ralph go. We ju we're just a dour as a whole community of football fans. We just we're always looking for the negative. I've looked at it. Is it the keeper? Is it the defence? We don't have a striker. All of these reasons. And when you go to watch at St Mary's, you're just waiting for one of them to prove you right. Like oh, goalkeepers made a mistake. Oh, the defence of letting a goal. It's yeah. It's 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 unfortunately not a fun time to be a Saints fan because you go in with optimism and then. It's the hope that kills you. That's the problem at the moment. And we, we and then we start berating Brighton fans uh, and being homophobic towards them in certain areas. And you're uh -huh. like, this is just, this is a toxic environment. And I'm hoping that we just get a win against Fulham just to give us a little bit of, of, of goodwill again, because it hasn't been there.
Right, Tom, football aside, we know that the January transfer window is just around the corner. An opportunity for Nathan Jones to bring in players that he personally wants, that the club maybe been scouting for a little while to try and improve things, bolster the squad, add, probably most importantly, a new forward player to start scoring some goals. Shall we talk about players maybe that we could see coming in or certain positions that we feel need strengthening? I would love that, Steve. Now, I will let everybody listening know that we've compiled a list of players that we we both think (laughs) might help the team. I I will add this. Nathan Jones did say in a comment, and you touched on it, that the players weren't brave enough to implement what had been worked on in the training um, and they were a bit poor. Okay, so what I'm looking for is brave players, okay? Players that Nathan Jones could maybe sign that will will do a job. Um, and first on the list, I've had a good look on the transfer market, a fantastic website. Uh, we've got Wilfred Zahar, uh, Firmino, Tillemans, Wambasaka. Uh, they're just they're just a couple of players who I think might help. Your thoughts on those ones, Steve? Um, my my initial reaction mm. is is very unrealistic. Um, it's, it's almost like you're playing a computer game okay. and gone, okay. who, who, who can I get in? Um, I can't see anyone like, I can't see Wolf Sahar, A, leaving Palace for anyone who's not in the Champions League if he leaves Palace. The player's also, I think, 30 or over 30 now. So, and, and we'll probably look for one last big payday, which isn't going to be at Southampton. Roberto Firmino, Premier League, Champions League winner with Liverpool, again, probably isn't going to come to Southampton. Yuri uh, uh, Tielemans, yeah. his this? contract is running it. Are you saying what? this because the, the, the golden ticket hit, the, 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 the issue, the umbrella is no one necessarily wants to come to a team that are bottom of the Premier League. Is, is that maybe the issue? And we're looking at players who have got Premier League experience that just will not want to come to Southampton. Is, is that maybe one of the issues that we're facing in January? A hundred percent. I think almost every one of you, the players you just mentioned is, is completely ridiculous. Okay. Um, there, there has been talk of this player from, is it uh, Laurent or Lorient in, in France? Mm. Um, a Nigerian striker by the name of Terra Moffi, um, who's a target. 11 goals in 16 games for him. I don't know anything about him. I've never seen him play. Uh, but it's a, it's a name being touted. 11 and 16 is pretty good. Very good. And if that can be transferred from League 1 to the Premier League, then I'd be a very happy man. Um, anyone else on your list, Tom, before I go into mine? Uh, well, I, what I'm what I'm really wanted to get at here is is the fact that um, <laughs> you've got players on on transfer market, like you say, that we play a game as fans. We'll go, I'll take anyone. I'll take Danny Blint. I will go to the airport to pick him up. I will take experience right now of players that are going to be able to help this team to gel, to be a unit, to be as one. I will take any player with experience. I don't think what Southampton need right now is a young, upcoming potential right now. That we, It's batting down the hatches. It is stop conceding goals. <laughs> That's the issue. And score goals. Now, that's obvious. So any player that is going to help with that, I am happy to see come to the club. But I am a Southampton fan, so I know realistically we'll probably get a couple of players on loan. That is that is our that is the top tier of what we're going to get. But I'm happy, Steve, to listen to who you think could improve this team. Yeah, I would like to, after I talk about this particular list, also go into that loan because there also has been mentions of bringing some players back from loan as well to improve the team. We know that defensive solidity has maybe been an issue. Scoring goals has definitely been an issue. So a defender, probably a central defender, a 
forward player, predominantly a number nine, a striker, and probably a central midfielder to shore things up in the middle and, and provide a bit of support for Prousey. I'm a massive fan of Romeo Lavia. I think he's been excellent. Um, but we are just missing Romeo a little bit, I think, still. Mm. Um, and when Lavia's been out, we, there's no cover. I don't feel that you know certain players like Diallo uh, are really up to scratch. And then you start playing Stewie, who's more creative, more of a forward-thinking player. It's centrally, more defensively than Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who I think is better at fullback, playing him centrally. And it maybe just hasn't quite worked out. So I'd, I'd look at those three options. My list, you mentioned him. You said Danny, that was his dad, is Daily Blind, oh, who's had his contract terminated by Ajax six months early. He's a free agent, formerly from Manchester United as well, and Ajax, who went back there. As you say, a bit on the old side, but does have Premier League experience, a leader in a team, um, can be assured, can also play in multiple positions. He played in centre defensive midfield for United, plays at left back and play wing back. Like, still got legs in him. And I think as a short-term contract option, six months from January to the end of the season would actually be a really good signing. Whether it's going to happen or not, completely different story. Probably won't, but I think would be astute. Mm. Uh, next up, former player, maybe poo-pooed it slightly in the past, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Again, six months left. The reason I changed my opinion is I realised only 29. Mm. I Now, he has had injury problems. Could be Theo-esque and be a little bit of a crock when he does come back. But I think he's a good option. Again, can drive the ball forward, um, can score goals, can play across the middle of the park. If he's willing to come back, I think, maybe even as a, again, a loan deal till the end of the season and then he'd be a free agent and he can decide where he wants to go if he wants to stay on or not. Could could be an option there. A player in a similar vein but I think is is younger, more future-proof and has proved it in the Premier League, Todd Cantwell from Norwich. Um, a player that I really, really rated when, when he was in the Premier League with Norwich, can score goals, really creative, can play as a number 10 so can link the lines between the middle and the forward players. I think he would be excellent personally and because Norwich obviously got relegated um, I don't really know where they are in the championship I don't th I think maybe in the playoff places but aren't going to get automatic promotion it seems could be very attainable and then finally um, contract again expiring in six months used to play for Celtic linked with a whole host of Premier League clubs is the Leon striker Moussa Dembele um, again a big strong powerful centre forward but good with his feet knows where the back of the net is I think he could be exceptional. Well, Steve, I think those players could be exceptional as well. I totally agree with you. I, and and I, if I hadn't stressed the point enough, I'll take any player that is going to improve that side. I totally <laughs> agree with you. After watching the changes, when I arrived at St Mary's and I saw that Gineppo and Diallo were starting in that lineup, I thought, oh, we're in, we're in, in for problems here. Uh, it just feels like we just need a couple of experienced players to come in and do a job. And like you said, we have to get a midfielder as well. I know we'll keep looking at a striker, but I feel like you can't rely on James Ward-Prowse to do all the work. And I'd actually even suggest, and I know this is controversial, that maybe he should be dropped for a game. I know, come at me, Saints fans, but maybe it is the time to just let James Ward-Prowse have a little time on the bench just to just to gather his thoughts because the stress that he is under to to deliver all mm. the time. However, the problem with that is, who would you put in central midfield? Who would you replace him with? And yeah, you severely the other... weaken the team, and 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 that's the problem. So even 
our best player isn't performing as our best player at the moment, but there's no choices. And I think that's the problem that Nathan Jones has. I like the fact, because people have been saying after the game, and I know this is going back to our previous conversation, but people have been saying, what is the positive to take from the last two games? And I think this will affect the transfers that we have in January, is the fact that at least every player has got a run out now. The changes that Nathan Jones made, I thought Seiko Mara looked really good when he came on. Stewie Armstrong should be starting, in my opinion. But again, that problem is, if there is no one in the January transfer market that is going to completely improve our team, I would happily take Dembele. If we can't get him, then there's actually no point getting anyone else if they're not going to come in and be a number one starter. Do, do you know what I mean? The mm. first 11. You, you, and that, you look, you're not, looking players to go straight in to the 100%. starting 11, not not squad fillers. No, because we've already got enough squad fillers. We've got Theo Walker to come on and be subbed off again. We've already got that player. We don't need another one of that. Um, I think uh, one of the biggest talking points is, would you know, for Saints fans, would you take Jan Bednarak back? Would you take Nathan Teller back? 100%. And it feels a bit like punishment for Nathan Teller because he looks so happy. He's enjoying his football at Burnley, but he is a sort of player that we need to come back because he will inject a bit of enthusiasm into that team. And Jan Bednarak, I don't know whether him and Ralph fell out at some point. And the problem is we've already got enough centre-backs that aren't quite <laughs> firing on all cylinders. So do we really need Jan Bednarak yet back? He's got the experience. It's, it's a really tough one. What do you think about Jan? I think that I, I really rated Jan when he was at the club. Not so much in his, in, before he went to, to Villa, but maybe in this, the, the two seasons prior to that, I thought he was our best defender. Um, and you're right, it could have just been a fallout with, with Ralph, with the manager. He didn't say the best things about Southampton when he did leave for Villa. Probably thought he was going to go straight into partnering Tyrone Mings at the back and, and Villa having signed quite a few decent players would be in a much better position than they are now and he might have you know moved on to pastures pastures new after the end of this this loan deal it's not quite worked out for him in that way i still think he's a good player he's a polish international yeah. um and if it's not a sour feeling towards the club and it was purely ralph i don't see why there's any reason why he can't come back and and play a part in in the remainder of of the season if they have got that that recall option for the loan. I do really like the partnership that had been created of Armel Belakotchap and Sally at the back. Mm. I think they're both excellent, but are still young. So Bednarek could just be that kind of experienced head, even though he's not too old himself, but that experienced head who is probably technically better than Lianko, mm. um, who, who can also... Um, fill in where needed as well. I like his tenacity. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a good option. Um, on Nathan Teller, as you say, always playing with a smile on his face, that star boy. And he scored again for Burnley the other night, came on as a late substitute and scored in one of the last minutes of the game. I don't see what benefit it would be of leaving him at Birmingham, uh, not Birmingham, at, at Burnley. Other than the fact he would probably continue to have a stellar season and then Burnley would get promoted. But... He's a Southampton player, right? He's not a Burnley player. He's a Southampton yeah. player. And I think that if he's on good form, he will want to play wherever he's going to be playing and scoring goals. The fact he's, he's already proved he can do in the championship. He's not got anything left to prove by staying there another six months. He could easily come back into the Southampton team, start in a four with three. And if he can still match his, his uh, 
rate that he's that he's done in the championship at Premier League level, no one's expecting him to score every single week. But if he could bag 10 goals between now and the end of the season, and if, if those goals led to Southampton staying in the Premier League, mm. he would be lauded. And Nathan Jones would be lauded by his, for his his bravery and willingness to bring a player back from loan. And I don't think Nathan Teller has anything to lose by coming back to Southampton uh, uh, at the moment who are clearly, I don't want to use the term sinking, but, you know, need an injection of life, need a smile as well. It's yeah. not just dour in the stands, it's dour on the pitch. You know what I mean? The, the players don't look, you know, that they're playing with enjoyment in, in any fashion, really. And I think Nathan Teller can bring that. I think not just as a as a great forward player, pace, excitement, can clearly finish, but as a personality as well. We spoke about that earlier on of getting the right personalities in and, and having that feeling around. And I think he can do that. So I, I think it's going to be a really busy January transfer window for Southampton. Um, I think they're going to have a lot of work to do. I think realistically, recalling those two players is a very real option. A really, a, a very real option. The players that we mentioned coming to the club, I'd say my list is more realistic than your list, but I still think my list is not going to happen. Yeah. They're just the players that I think would potentially be attainable and could improve the team a lot. However, as we've seen over the past six months, a year, especially under Sports Republic, the model is to get cheap young players and improve them and sell them on. The issue is if you don't find gems, what are you left with? Essentially a championship quality team. And after watching the Brighton game and the Lincoln game, it just seems very much like we struggle in the championship as well because we do not know the identity. The, the only thing that I take from the last two games and talking about transfer markets in January is I feel like... I, the one shining sort of light is I think Seiko Mara hasn't been given enough of, of a chance. Mm. I don't think, I, I 100% think uh, Adozi should be starting. He got that penalty with his trickery and his skill and tacking. I think there's just that centre midfield issue and maybe that right wing, like who's going to be that that sort of support role for Shea Adams mm. up front. Adam Armstrong can't score goals, but like we, we just, he's got pace. I just think there's multiple problems which I don't think will be sorted by average players coming in just for the sake of it. And I think that's where Southampton fans are going to really hit the panic button is if we don't get anyone in January, <laughs> the, the, the yeah. atmosphere at St Mary's is going to be horrendous. However, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a positive person. I feel like Nathan Jones has changed that formation so many times in the last two games. Even in the Brighton game, I think he changed it five times. I think we are getting closer and I hope, I pray that we are getting closer to knowing what is that best 11. And at that point, then we can start getting positive results. And if, if a worldy player can come to the Saints and Sports Republic can get that player, I am all for it. But the realist in me just knows that's probably not going to happen and we're going to have to rely on, as you just said, Jan Bednarat and someone like Teller coming back to save the day. I'm, not, I'm no football manager, Tom, as... as... That's very clear. Um, but I think that when you see the, the top teams, now I know the budgets are very different and the expectations mm. are very different. But if you look at, let's take Manchester City for the sake of example, they have a, uh, they have a, a two teams, don't they? They have a mm. starting 11 and a subs bench or a second 11 that's almost as good as the starting 11. They have two players for every position, right? 
Now, I know, obviously, the Southampton squad is nowhere near the level of quality of Man City. But sometimes we don't have that, right? We look at the middle of the park, we don't have a player to replace every single player. There's players we've missed out. We're talking about Joe Aribo seems to have just gone missing. I was mm. such a big fan of him at the start of the season. I thought he was excellent. And maybe the formation doesn't suit the players that we have at our disposal at the moment. Because if you were to play a forward three instead of a two or a, a two, three, one, then you could have players like Nathan Teller on the left, Shea Adams through the middle, Joe Ariba on the right. That almost solves that issue. And then if you want to swap them out, you've got Sekou Mara through the middle. You've got uh, Adam Armstrong on the left. And then you've got Stewie, Moy, Walcott for the for the right. It, it's completely interchangeable in that way. And also I think those players can play across the front line. Maybe not so much Shea, but the other two could swap sides and it would, they'd be equally as adept to do so. But what we don't have is three good central midfielders to then play that three, which is what we used to have when we when we had Ori, James Ward Prowse, um, and and you could you could do that. And I think the first match of the season against Spurs, although it was a four one loss, I took a lot of positives from that because you had Lavia, Romeu, and Prousey, and I thought they were great. Yeah, and just don't have that. Don't have the players to facilitate that formation. Now, if you did bring in a player like Oxlade Chamberlain, Todd Cantwell, someone like that, you could play Lavia and Prousey, and then you'd still have another player. Or you can move Armstrong into more of a, a a forward role in the middle of the park where he loves to kind of move from side to side and spray those passes out, and you've got that ability to do so. So I don't think it needs an overhaul. I don't think we need to be buying six, seven players. Um, I'm a completely forgetting Duje Shaletta Saar at the back yeah. as well, another, another centre-back. So, like, we've missed out talking about a lot of players in the squad that provide depth. But when we look at maybe left-back, Perro and Juan Larios. And Juan Larios is extremely young. We don't have a player as good as Perro to then fill the position. Carl Walker-Peters was doing that, but now we need him on the right because Tino Livermento's out. So when Tino's back, we've then got Tino and Kyle. And then you've got two players for that one position sorted. And I feel like that's all really Southampton have to do is, as you say, and I completely agree, bring players in who are starting 11 ready and make sure you're covering each position of the formation you want to play double up on them, and I think then you've got enough depth and enough quality to see you through and hopefully stay in the league. All right then, Steve, let's talk about it. Next match coming up on New Year's Eve is against Fulham away at Craven Cottage. They are just coming off the back of a 3-0 win away at Crystal Palace. And before that, uh, they had a very good uh, result in, in my opinion, uh, just before that. Uh, I'm going to do that again. It was a, it was a one-all draw with West Ham. So Steve, our next fixture for Southampton is away at Fulham on New Year's Eve. Craven Cottage awaits us and they have been on a very good run of form, have Fulham. Uh, a 3-0 win away at Palace and then a one-all draw with West Ham. Very good side, probably the worst time to play them right now. Um, Steve, what are our chances? How are we going to fare against Fulham? Fulham are a team that I think many people thought when they came up would probably be one of the ones to look at going back down again. And they've maybe surprised a few people. Recruitment's been excellent at Fulham this year bring in uh, Polinia in the middle of the park that's central defensive midfielder had to pay I think 20 25 million for him um from Sporting Lisbon excellent 
Excellent. And if and and again, I'm not, I'm not going. I'll, I'll get back onto what I think of Fulham, but it kind of makes me reevaluate that point of what we were talking about when it comes to recruitment. If Fulham can can get a player of that level, Saints can get a player of that level. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, so they've recruited really well. Andreas Pereira from Manchester United looks great now. He's given freedom to play. Plays almost every match. As I said, Polini in the middle of the park. Mitrovic we know is always going to score. So Fulham have had an excellent season so far. They're ninth in the Premier League. Um, they're only, what's that, three points uh, behind Liverpool in sixth. That's it. One win away from being sick. They have overachieved massively so far in the league. As you say, that 3-0 win against Crystal Palace were helped a bit by two red cards that Palace got. Mm. So obviously playing against nine men for a portion of that match. But Fulham are not to be underestimated by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's going to be a an extremely tough game. Fulham put in... The last time I saw Fulham play was when they played Manchester United and United got that last-minute winner from Garnacho. Fulham were excellent that game. They really disrupted United's rhythm, how they wanted to play. Polinia was excellent across the whole middle of the park, putting in sensational challenges. And we talked about midfield strength as well at the moment for Southampton and, and, and that is lacking. Fulham do not lack that. So this game, I feel, will be won and lost in the middle of the park. And in my humble opinion already, Fulham have the upper hand. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Saints are going to approach the game. I really don't. I think based off the last two for, for, uh, following the World Cup break, I don't know how they're going to line up, even the formation. But all I'm hoping for is a a positive attitude towards the game, playing good football. Even if Southampton lose, I don't think people were going to be shocked by it because Fulham are doing so well. Yeah. Years gone by, you would expect them to beat Fulham. Not anymore. But what you want to see is fluid play, confidence on the ball, actually stringing multiple passes together, keep retaining possession, not just giving it away loosely so often. And you're going to have to do that, especially away at Craven Cottage. Fulham are so good um, there. It's going to be really tough, Tom. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of glad that it's an away game and I don't have to, you know, <laughs> do the show from the gantry. It's slightly less pressure um, and can watch it on the, on the big, t big TV in the foyer. But it's... It's going to be tough. It really is going to be a tough game. I think if Nathan Jones wants to go with three at the back, that's great. But like you say, if we get overrun in midfield, then it's going to be it's going to be a long day. But I almost would prefer it if Nathan Jones says, right, our number one objective is to not let a goal in. Even if we do not score away at Craven Cottage, but we'll come away with a nil-nil draw for a team that has only had one clean sheet in 17 games, that would be a positive to take away from it. It won't be pretty. I almost want to scrape every point at the moment because if Fulham score early, uh, I'm trying to think of a word where I wouldn't swear. Uh, we're, we're not, we're, we're, we're screwed uh, basically because I just don't see us scoring. However, the only positive that I would take from this game against Fulham is Fulham have scored 27 goals. That's not a positive. They have conceded 26. So, the fact of the matter is, I think there is going to be goal, are going to be goals in the game. So maybe Nathan Jones sets up in a way to take away all the strengths of Fulham and it would just have just have ten at the back. I don't care, ten at the back. <laughs> try and get some sort of result that will give the players confidence. Like when we went away to Bournemouth and managed to get a result because we fought two for nail for that result. 
Yeah, exactly. You raised a really good point there about goals conceded against goals scored. Obviously, Fulham know where the back of the net is. They've got a lot of creativity. And with Alexander Mitrovic, they can score. But as you say, conceding just one fewer goal than the amount they've scored, being in ninth, they have the worst goals against rate uh, record out of mm. all the top nine by some margin. So they they can be got at at the back. I think Tim Ream... One of their centre-backs isn't the most mobile. Um, they probably don't have the best defence, well, clearly, in the division. So I suppose it is the confidence that Southampton go into the game with and probably trying to override what has been the biggest issue for Saints, which is scoring, because mm. they're going to a team that concede, albeit a team that score more than they concede. But if Southampton can stay solid at the back and somehow find a way to actually hit the target and have shots, because what, we, what we've seen is it's not even Southampton not scoring, it's a lack of efforts. So mm. if, if, if we were seeing 10 to 15 shots on target every game for Saints and maybe scoring one or none, at least they're getting shots away. We're not even seeing a good statistic record of shots on target for Southampton the chances necessarily aren't being created so that's what I'd like to see turn around playing with more confidence really working spaces and opening up Fulham at the back and and getting shots away even if they they pepper Fulham they absolutely pepper them and only score one and that one's enough I'll be happy yeah you know what I mean well I even cheered that moment when Seiko Mara had a had a shot a goal miles off target but at least it had that energy and attacking thought to just go for it like a little bit way out of, of, of the goal I mean Brighton's third goal we didn't even mention how beautiful that was but that's, that's the difference that is the difference um, however Steve I feel like I feel like this podcast today has this show has been not negative I've been trying to be positive about it but at the same time <laughs> not get too overcome with all of that kind of negativity that's out there mm. i'm positive that we can get a result as i always am uh, but i think it's one of those shows that we needed to chat about all of the possibilities but what i really want if anyone listening has got thoughts on how to improve that saint side right now and what nathan jones needs to do or even signings for january we always love to hear from you so make sure you get involved with us on our social media yeah, 100%. Because there's probably loads of players we don't even know about. And the fans keep their ear to the ground, you know what I mean? They're a bit more astute of, of who the club maybe maybe are going for. So if you do want to let us know who would be your top January transfer targets, who would you like, who would you like to see Sorry, uh, come in to the fold at St Mary's, then let us know at We March On Pod across any of our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, the lot. Or if you just want to send us an email and be like, Stephen, Tom, Love the work you do. Really enjoy listening to us every week. Then please do it. It's we march on pod at gmail.com. If you are listening via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, any other podcast platform, make sure to give us a lovely rating. Five stars would be preferable. Write a little review. It helps us out massively. Beautiful. Well, listen, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself, Steve. What a pleasure it is to do another episode of the We March On Pod. With you, WMO, I'm going to say goodbye. The only way I can do that is to get the Saints brass. Guys, could you play us out, please?